How's it going? All right. How you doing? Great. Super. Didn't get to see anything this week, so I don't have much to contribute. I have notes and everything, because even though I only saw a couple new things, I, I have opinions and words. Well, I'll listen intently. All right. To you, you, did, you mentioned that you streamed something that I'm interested in getting your take on. Yeah. Yeah. I streamed Gloria Bell. What at long last? When did you first mention it? Six months ago? Yeah. Or yeah. Or more. Like or more, perhaps. Yeah. I, I know you enjoyed it. I did as well. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. It was probably top five last year for me. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, I like Julianne Moore and pretty much anything she does. I, I, I felt it was refreshing and a slice of life that wasn't just like every other thing like, oh, this poor, lonely divorcee is just sad, you know, because yeah. she's not. She has a life all her own and really nobody around her understands her true life. She's in everybody else's periphery and she's sort of learning to put herself first and do whatever she wants. And I liked it a lot. Yeah. I'd liked that it was about a self-possessed middle-aged person who, um, and it wasn't about how pathetic she was. And it also wasn't about how, you know, you go girl or whatever. It was just a really nice character piece. And she was very lovable, real person. And I cared very much about what happened, and the the relationship with John Turturro is very interesting. And yeah, I really liked how you just didn't really understand everything that was going on because you know as much as she does. And in life, some people are weird, and they've got their stuff, and they're enmeshed in strange relationships, and they keep you at arm's length. And sometimes a movie tries to explain all that. This one didn't. He's yeah. just in, in the distance. We don't get his full reasoning for all of his, I mean, pretty cruel choices. And then he gaslights yeah. her as people so often do. And in the end, she wasn't putting up with it. Yeah. In a, in a, a pretty, ridiculous, but very satisfying. Yeah. Come up and see. <laughs> very, very satisfying at the end. And yet not entirely ridiculous. I felt it flowed mm-hmm. out of what had come before. And really she did no harm. And, you right. know, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you uh, followed up and yeah, enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. We should have saved that because now I'm going to talk a long time about all the things that I saw. Well, um, I can pretend that I also can, saw them and yeah, sure. Give my two cents. Um, I I saw two new things, but I also saw JoJo again. Um, oh, okay. Saturday night, and without like the you know the awkwardness of the first viewing when you're kind of like feeling it out, I found it like. Almost, almost perfect this time. I like that it's mm. not perfect. I like, I like to let it be a little shaggy, but um, I just—it's so delightful. Shereen loved it. I paid uh, attention a little more to things, you know, that second viewing when you can hone in a little bit. And I noticed a couple of things. I noticed that um, Sam Rockwell's character—I hadn't read into it as much as I think I could have because when he shows up shortly after the Gestapo. Mm-hmm. I I thought, and maybe that maybe you thought this the first time, but I didn't even put two and two together. I was thinking, oh, he's watching the house, he's monitoring the house for, uh, for mom, to because they're they're kind of like in cahoots. I think like he's supposed to seem so like incompetent and ridiculous in his first few scenes, and the, but then I think that's supposed to be the first clue, and then of course he comes in and helps them. But just his presence there. I realized this time, why is he there? And I thought it through. And I think that's that's the implication. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I think that that makes sense. I didn't think of it. I still don't get his character. I, I wish that they had yeah. been a little bit more direct. If that's mm-hmm. what he was supposed to, is that if that's how he's supposed to function here? Um, but maybe right. on a rewatch, I'll I'll feel differently. We're we're yeah. so rough on movies the first time we see them, especially right. ones that have pedigree. But then I think now this is just a movie that exists and it will exist for years and years. And you know, if it came on TV or if I saw it on Netflix, would I stop on it? Of course I would. Right. Because it's it's just one of those really, really good movies. Two little qualms. One's just a little nitpick about a shot, and the other thing is a little more thematic. I, I although I love the the absurdity of Hitler eating a unicorn, spoiler alert, if you're gonna right. see this movie, Hitler eats a unicorn. I felt like that kind of punk punched a hole in an otherwise pretty serious and meaningful montage. And I was like, yeah, that bad shot probably didn't belong there. But um, that's a, a tiny nitpick. The other thing that I was thinking about is I noticed this time that the line, they did what they could or you do what you can, is repeated by many characters throughout the movie. And it kind of mm-hmm. forms like this mantra. And it's nice and lovely in the context of the movie, but kind of like the other thematic stuff we talked about last week, I feel like do what you can as a response to fascism Right. Uh, is kind of weak cheese. It's kind of a very moderate, like, you know, it can mean nothing. I feel, I feel like I do what I can and I do nothing. Right. Um, and again, it's not the movie's fault, really. It's just, that's not a very strong. Right. And I mean, Rosie, Scarlett Johansson's character, what did she do? Put up some flyers? I mean, she yeah. took in a girl to her home, I suppose, but that almost seemed like half-hearted. I wished that I could have understood her politics a little more. And again, I get that it's yeah. Jojo's eyes. It's 10 year old, you know, the same way you don't really understand your parents' motivations or right. political leanings. Maybe that's what that was. But I, I, I just wish that we would have gotten to know her character and her motivations a little bit more. Yeah. I feel like those tags she was leaving around, uh, it'd be easy to just Google, you know, look up. So I'm sure someone's posted the translation, but I feel like she's marking safe havens or, or, houses of you know sympathetic people or something like that mm-hmm. um, that could be I, I have a feeling you know if there's a commentary taika watiti tends to do commentaries and explain a lot so he'll probably you know chat chat about that but um yeah it would be nice to have those details filled in a bit yeah uh, but what a delightful movie and um solidly holds its spot at the top of my my top 10 nice. um, i'm sure it'll i'm sure it'll stay in mind too I saw two things about which I have complicated feelings. The first one's a little easier because it was just dumb. I saw Terminator Dark Fate. Terminator 2 was such a huge phenomenon. Do you have any kind of a, at least a memory of that being a, a phenomenon? I remember it being a phenomenon. I never saw it. It was not or, for you. No, I, I never will see it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. It's a storied franchise that got really, it's had like five or six entries. And after the one in the ones in the nineties, it got kind of off the rails and it's notoriously, they just can't reboot it. Well, they can't sequel it. Well, and then the big thing about dark fate was James Cameron is back. He directed the first two and then he was kind of out of the picture. He's back. So it's going to have this pedigree. It's going to be back on track. Linda Hamilton is back. She starred in the, the first two. And of course, Arnold's back. He's been in all of them in some capacity. So uh, I say all of that because the whole point of this movie was supposed to be James Cameron is back. We're forgetting that any sequel after two exists and we are picking up where we left off, but it's like 30 years later. So um, here we go. 
and if the if the whole point of your movie is to honor the continuity of a long past sequel and get the franchise back on track i'm not going to spoil what happens i'm just going to say that the first scene of this movie literally blows away the continuity from terminator 2 uh, it, it it just brings you back to where that ended and you feel all those feelings and then it just says nope and something terrible happens and then it's reset anyway. So I don't understand what the whole point was in promising people that Terminator was back. Uh, they just shoot themselves in the foot uh, from literally the first scene of the movie. So that go that already on the meta level makes the movie this huge kind of buzzkill and I lost interest instantly. Here's what it does well. Um, it features women in all of the lead roles, uh, Mackenzie Davis and Linda Hamilton. And I don't know the, the other actress's name, but the, the protagonist is a Latina. So the Terminator is this robot that comes back from the future to either protect or kill someone in our time because they will be instrumental in some war in the future. And this time, uh, instead of being a, a white dude, which it's been in the, in the previous ones, it's a Latina lady. And also the other kind of cool thing it does, though, is that Linda Hamilton is back and she kind of takes on that role of like the Nick Nolte or like the old grizzled badass that, you know, is not a thing that women frequently get to play. Whatever. Mm-hmm. OK, fine. Fun casting and representation and that stuff. But of course, then the typical chorus of angry people on Twitter and elsewhere are saying this movie is an SJW agenda, you know, and. And that's why it fails. No, those are the coolest things about it. It fails because it's a dumb story. It's just another retread of the exact same story of every other Terminator movie. And it betrays its promise uh, of a return to form, like literally from the opening. So not a fan. Yeah, I hate when they do stuff like that. And I'm saying they and like I've had lots of experiences like this. But when you try to go back and then you thought something was ended a certain way and then the sequel is like well no it didn't or something like that right right i don't like i don't like that famously and here's the thing famously james cameron made the second alien movie so you 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 said you watched alien recently i watched uh, the first alien yeah J- cameron directed the second which is also uh-huh. very good but it's it's more of a of an action movie and he introduced new elements including a character of a young girl who kind of becomes like a daughter figure uh, to ripley and then when Alien 3 comes along and they bring in another director, David Fincher, one of his first big movies, uh, they kill the little girl in between movies. Mm-hmm. Like the opening of the movie is, oh, she died in in cryo sleep in the spaceship. She's not here anymore. And that was such a betrayal. And James Cameron was so angry about that. And now he's done it to his own franchise. Something very similar to that happens. Oh, we disappoint. We leave a mess. Yeah. We die, but we don't. Why do we? Why do we bother? So that's that. That's way, way too many words for Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> well, you'll um, edit out some of it. <laughs> probably. Do you have anything else that you streamed or saw that's come to mind before I I mean, my other... last night I streamed Raging Bull for no reason. Oh, okay. Except that I'd never seen it. Yeah. I guess that's a reason. That's I'm a trying to reason. like, yeah, I'm trying to catch up on some Scorsese because, mm-hmm. you know, that's he remains one. relevant and I haven't seen a lot movie. of this famous stuff it really is um so i mean it seems dumb to be like yeah i liked it it's good i recommend raging bull i mean it it's not a boxing movie but it is a boxing movie i always think it's funny looking back at the funny's the wrong word but looking back at old reviews and seeing how violent people thought these movies were yeah 
And I, I just think these are not that violent at all by today's standards. I guess right. movies are just so violent and grisly. And sometimes I have to look away today. I look at this and I think, oh, black and white. And someone bled a bit while they were in a boxing ring. Right. That doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Did you, you saw Taxi Driver 2 recently, right? Yeah. We talked mm-hmm. about that relative to Joker. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I can say now that Robert De Niro's, he had quite a career. He's yeah. Quite a career. You know, he's, yeah. he's a, he's a legit actor. That's right. He's, yeah. He's, 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 going he's pretty good. He's yeah. pretty good. Uh, it feels like it's taking forever for the Irishman to uh, to get here. Excited for that. And uh, Marriage Story, of course. I've, I've now heard so many podcast reviews and read so many reviews. I'm just eager to to see it. Yeah, no, I can't wait. Those two are going to be great. I So many titles this year that were exciting and then disappointing, but they're starting to hit, and it's really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other side of the spectrum is Motherless Brooklyn, um, which is good. It's a really good movie. It's just complicated. My my feelings on it are complicated. Well, don't spoil it because I do want to see this one. Yes. But okay. I would like to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. I have some notes and thoughts and I, I they're not spoilery, although I maybe should we hold off? Should I wait for you to see it and we'll talk about it next week? I mean, you can talk about it now. It's not something like a, oh, I really need to save it. I can't yeah. wait for Motherless Brooklyn. If it was top 10, I might say, you know, you need to experience this and then we'll talk about it. I, I, but I feel bad even giving you a framework to, in which to think about it because you might have a completely different take. So, I mean, we already know there's no mother, so they gave that away. Right. I hate when they do that. It's a peculiar and ambitious movie, and it's written and directed by Edward Norton, based on a novel by Jonathan Lethem. Um, I have no familiarity with that novel. I don't know how related they are, how faithful an adaptation it is. There's a lot going on in this long movie. It is, um, I mean, essentially uh, on paper and on screen, it is a noir story. It's like a traditional noir about a private detective investigating a murder and unraveling a mystery. Um, And the thing about this private detective is that he is uh, like a sensitive guy and he's got Tourette's syndrome and he's got a photographic memory uh, and many other actory tics. So there's there's those layers. It's noir, but he's a very different kind of a character. And then there's a kind of a blatantly political layer to the whole thing. It um, unfolds in New York City in the 50s where there's like class inequality and and race issues. And there's Alec Baldwin plays this. uh, He plays a real estate developer who is very familiar. Let's just say that. But the weird thing about it, and I thought about this as I was walking out. I'm like, wow, that was a 2019 film about a white man, a mentally ill white man uh, being drawn into a web of, of criminal intrigue uh, in a city torn apart by class conflict. It's nothing like Joker, but I just that, you know, you could, you could describe them both in the same way, but the big difference with this movie uh, and with traditional noir in general is that usually the, the private detectives in noir are kind of like self-interested assholes and this is a very sweet, empathetic character who's doing what he's doing out of uh, compassion and, and brotherly love. So all of that makes it a very interesting mix. Uh, without saying much more, I'll just say what where I get a little lost and disappointed is that it's a very it, it wants to be a big sleep style noir with lots going on and lots of fast dialogue and clues and questionable motives. But I felt, maybe this is just me, but I felt like the plot landed in all the places I expected it to. 
everything that seemed a certain way at the beginning, or maybe as a misdirect, nope, everything pretty much went where I was expecting it to. So I'll leave it there and we'll see what you think if you check it out and we'll, we'll follow up. Yeah, I will check it out. It sounds like a disappointment compared to where it was situated at the beginning of the season, um, expectation-wise. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like it's anywhere near one of the best. No, you can feel the the passion. You can feel the care with which it was made. It's just got so many curious elements. It's also not, you know, something like Jojo Rabbit is so refreshing and light, even despite heavy context. But like it's it's like a revelation almost. And this feels very much like, oh, in 2019, somebody's doing a dense noir. Okay, let's see. Oh, okay. And there's enough about it that's different and unique and 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 interesting but it does it has that again working against it i think that it's um it's not revelatory and doing something completely new that's i mean that might be unfair to put on movies that you have to be a revelation but i'm spoiled yeah well there was a musical called in my life and there was a songwriter who had tourette's Hmm. and he met a girl who loved Diet Coke. That was her main character trait. Then an angel came from heaven who needed to make a pop opera about their life. This couple's been chosen of all the other couples on earth to have an opera made from their romance. Um, There are scenes in heaven where God sings about cars and Dr. Pepper. And we learn some important life lessons like life turns on a dime, you know? Sure. And, uh, in the end, a big lemon comes down from the ceiling and the two are married. And yeah. So anyway, when I started reading the, (laughs) yeah, when I started reading the synopsis for motherless Brooklyn and I see this guy, one of his main things is he has Tourette's. I was like, Oh, it's another in my life. (laughs) Yeah. It's right there. I thought that was going to, I thought that was going to be annoying. And it is, you know, it, it's one of those things where you're like, well, this is clearly this actor couldn't wait to dig into this role and have lots of interesting ticks and things to do. But it is actually not too distracting once you get into it because his character has a lot going on. I think he does have depth to him. And also it adds an interesting element because usually the, the private dick in a uh, in a noir story is kind of stoic and closed off. And this his his. Uh, Tourette's isn't really just kind of random and a tick. It it is revealing. He says, you know, he tries not to say things that he's thinking out loud and ends up being a little transparent in the process. And it it makes for some interesting character color. Well, that's good. There, I mean, there there should be some reason. I know that I shouldn't think that. I know that I should think. Right. Well, representation is great. Why does there need to be a reason why he has Tourette's? Um, but I sort of think there does need to be a reason. Yeah, especially in something that's this dense and you're going to add that on top. And again, I don't I am assuming it's important in the novel so he can just point to the source and say this is the story. Uh, It didn't feel completely tacked on. It is strange, but um, that was not one of the things that that made me scratch my head. There's more I want to say, but I'll wait until you've seen it. Great. Well, I will see it and then you'll say it. It'll happen. See something, say something. That's what they say. The way we that's the way we do it. That's the name of our podcast. <laughs> that is a good name <laughs> for no longer doing holds up. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I don't think the holds up branding has really taken. So <laughs> still, uh... no. And also we're not even doing it. So no, I know. That's, no, that's another problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll think, I'll think on that. We'll have new, uh, we'll have new cover art tomorrow. SSSS. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. All right. That's all I got, Dan. That's all I got too. Um, sorry, I didn't bring too much. That's all right. You brought yourself. Not what more could we ask? My movies this week are uh, Pain and Glory. Yeah. Oh, I, I need to see that. Yeah. And then Ford v Ferrari, which mm. is not, you know, not a car guy, but uh, I don't know. It's it's It looks great to me. For some reason, I want to see it. It looks very entertaining. People looked, are excited about it. Yeah. It's good. We're very well reviewed so far. Yeah. For, to me, it's got that draw of fighting with my family where it's not some, a topic I would normally be interested in, but it looks charming and interesting enough. I'm excited you about both You love fighting with my family. I bring it up whenever I can. You bring it up. I think <laughs> of all the movies this year, maybe you've brought that one up the it most. It got bumped out of my top 10, though. I uh, couldn't justify it. But you know it's at the top of that honorable mention. Right. Yeah, I need to catch up um, with Motherless Brooklyn. I, f- I still feel drawn as homework to go see Harriet just to see what I think yeah. of it because people are really thinking, you know, different things. I'm not personally that drawn to it, but mm. and then I'll yeah. see what else comes out. I, I feel a little behind on my viewing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm totally drawn to the subject matter of Harriet. It just looks it looks like the kind of movie that you'd watch in school. And maybe that's not fair. You know, maybe it's good. It just looks right. like a very rote historical drama where I, I always feel like I'm not so long, long time ago. I stopped real. I stopped thinking that I was getting actual history from movies. So I'd like to see a little artistry, you know, in my historical movies. Mm-hmm. Totally uh, and that, interesting. Anyway. Uh, all right. Yeah. You know what is playing everywhere? So, Last Christmas. You know, I've wanted to bring that up and I keep forgetting to bring it up because I just, I could I couldn't figure what your take would be. I thought the trailer looked so abysmal and confusing. Oh, the reviews are so bad. Yeah, it's just when you think when you hear what's and when you figure out what's going on, all the layers, the Paul Feig and the Christmas and the rom com and the George Michael songs, and it's very confusing to me. And then there's the one about the firefighters who oh, yeah. open a daycare. <laughs> yeah. Like those two movies at all of the theaters I go to, oh, 13 showings a day of right. each of those. Yeah, I, I wanted to catch The Lighthouse again. It's already down to one showing at 2 p.m. Ugh. Yeah, I've got I've got a good amount of time this week, which is great. So I'll try to get to a few things. Cool, cool. Well, Dan, if you see something, why don't you come on back and say something? I'll say something. All right. This has been our podcast, I guess. Um, We have been Dan and Josh. And you can follow us both on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can follow the show on Twitter, at HoldsUpPod for now. And uh, our music's by Jonah Rapino. And we'll be back again to talk about additional movies, probably some of the same movies. It'll be great. Come on back. So I just need need to pause here for a second that yeah. um that my my husband has returned from a trip to LA and he's just opened up his tiny little flight attendant bag that you might think just has some toiletries. 
<laughs> and there is a full stand mixer that has just emerged Mary Poppins style wow. from the bag <laughs> that he has brought home. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, Man. so I'll I'll hear more about that, I assume, when we're done here. 